With Tom Lamprecht, the stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We have a very big crisis. We want the American people to see what's happening, but Joe Biden doesn't want you to see that. I've asked the VP to lead our efforts with our southern border. I look forward to engaging in diplomacy. Putting someone in charge who flat out just doesn't care. Now I'll be happy to uh, take your questions. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome in, Tom and Benny and Clark. Got a good program lined up for you. We'll be talking to a uh, state senator and a uh, member of the state house in this program. Um, All I can say is I don't know how the federal government would expect an American citizen to feel obligated to be totally honest when they fill out their taxes (laughs) because our president is either an incredibly big liar. I mean, it's possible that he is so out of it that he really doesn't know what's going on. And he's just repeating the lines that are being fed to him. I, I I mean, it's, it's probably a lot of both. Mm Mm-hmm. But that fiasco they called a press conference today. Uh, First of all, it was a make-me-throw-up-love-fest between the liberal press and the liberal president. I was really uh, quite concerned that Joe Biden would be horizontal on the floor before the hour was up. (laughs) He was so slow... If he was any slower, he'd be horizontal. I, I, you know, I, I thought it was probably the single most embarrassing day, not only for the office of the presidency, but for the, the professionalism, the profession of journalism. Oh, I mean, it, unbelievable! It, it was horrible, and you know, I understand that you know presidents, which I will say, Donald Trump was very good at knowing details and numbers without looking at notes. Yeah, I understand they have to know details. They have to look at notes for detailed numbers and things such as that. But when asked general policy questions. He had no clue. He had to just read from prepared Everything was read. Everything was read. And I stand corrected on my prediction that he will not make it a year in office. He will not make it through the summer, is my opinion. I, I don't know why anyone would argue with that. Uh, Remember Jim Acosta in one of the first presidential press conferences that Donald Trump had? Oh, yeah, when the uh, the East Room. Yeah, and he was pushing the female uh, White House staff away and that type of thing. And arguing with the president. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, just— A debate. Yeah, it was like a debate. Yeah, it's ugly. And that became pretty much a a, a occurrence every time there was a press conference. There was nothing— now, now, I mean, you know, liberals say, well, it's because he's, the decorum is so important. Now, you're, you're real polite as you lie through your teeth. You're real polite as you kiss the president's butt. One, one thing I wrote down today, I was listening to it at my desk, um, and, and this, the president contradicted himself within a couple of sentences, and the reporter did not even follow this fact up. He talked about the border crisis, and he talked about, um, hey, these aren't kids down here. These are 16- or 17-year-old kids with no parents. These aren't kids. And then within a couple sentences later, talked about during the Trump administration, 
uh, you know, babies were getting ripped from their mother's hands. <laughs> and, you know, just a, a few weeks early. So he just contradict w w what he said, what was happening at the border. And, hey, the press, uh, and as you, every single question was a prepared question. Oh, the whole thing was orchestrated. That, you know, he didn't look and say, Tom, you have a question? He looked down at his note and said, we're going to, let's see here, Tom. Oh, well, here, here, let's... Uh... <laughs> Uh, I, I, play cut to. I think this is the this is the one that shows exactly what you're talking about. This this is uh, uh, Biden from earlier today. So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to anyway hearts or. <laughs> I'm we're going to get a lot done, and if we have to, if there's complete. Lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Okay, um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh, Sing Ming, Miss Kim. And that's pretty much how it was the whole time. Very poor job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you, Donald. That was. I told it, you so. It was. It was like that the whole time. I mean, that that he certainly got confused there but the the hesitation not knowing who to call on the whole thing was uh it made you sick i hate to poke fun at him but uh, oh no go ahead but but to, <laughs> but but to use a phrase of a good friend of mine says he's as lost as a baseball on high weeds <clears throat> and i think china was looking on the day and they're they're the uh they're the lawnmower that's that's looking to run over that baseball because yeah. it's they have got to be our foreign adversaries have got to be saying this is our opportunity to take advantage of America. We have no one in the office of the presidency. Yamachi Alcindor, um, PBS hack. Um, she was the same one that told MSNBC when Trump was in the White House that uh, covering Donald Trump was a team sport that they have each other's back in their hatred of the president. <laughs> when she went to ask Biden a question today, her preamble before she got to the question was how he was a decent, nice, moral man. Mm -hmm. And that's why people were coming to the border. She sounded like a, a, a Democrat Party surrogate. Well, they are. Instead of a, a, they are. Yeah, we, we know that. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, they're not hiding it now. It's just unbelievable. Listen to how the press presented and Biden framed H.R. 1, and that's the unconstitutional voting bill that the Senate is now debating. And listen to how the press demonized conservative state legislatures like North Carolina that right now is trying to pass laws similar to the Elections Integrity Act, which uh, we're going to actually talk to uh, Senator Paul Newton in just a few minutes about that. But listen to how it was framed by the press and then how Biden turns around and demonizes anyone. Now, now remember, it is the Democrats that are pushing through H.R. 1 that will totally change how we've done elections in this country constitutionally for the last 200 years. They want to change it. To, to hear Biden talk, it sounds like the Republicans are coming in and trying to turn everything on its head. Cut Republican one. legislatures across the country are working to pass bills that would restrict voting, particularly Democrats fear impacting minority voters and young voters, the very people who helped to get you elected in November. 
Are you worried that if you don't manage to pass voting rights legislation, that your party is going to lose seats and possibly lose control of the House and the Senate in 2022? What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. It's sick. Deciding in some states that you cannot bring water to people standing in line waiting to vote. Deciding that you're going to end voting at five o'clock when working people are just getting off work. Deciding that there will be no absentee ballots under the most rigid circumstances. It's all designed and I'm going to spend my time doing three things. One, trying to figure out how to pass the legislation passed by the House, number one. Number two, educating the American public. The Republican voters I know find this despicable. Republican voters. The folks out in the, outside this White House. I'm not talking about the, the elected officials. I'm talking about voters. Voters. And so I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I mean, this is gigantic what they're trying to do. And it cannot be sustained. And do everything in my power, along with my friends in the House and the Senate, to keep that from, uh, from becoming the law. Shame on Biden. I mean, that, that whole thing was just a, a narrative <laughs> That, that was based in a lie, uh, demonizing yeah. the Republicans who were trying to keep us in tune with the Constitution when it comes to election law. Uh, I mean, it is shameful what he did in that. And the fact that a reporter would not have a follow-up question. <laughs> yes. But look, I know they know this. They're not stupid oh, yeah. people. They know how the Constitution works as far as election laws go. The fact that they would not follow up with that and saying, Mr. President, <laughs> Our Constitution says that states de determine election laws. That's just a simple question that an honest media would ask. And uh, well, and we don't have one, unfortunately. That was at that press conference today. I, I noticed uh, Peter Ducey wasn't there. That was a shocker. Um, but I mean, you know, so many of the questions had to do with voting, had to do with the filibuster. How, well, how are we going to get rid of the filibuster? And they weren't. They weren't. No, no questions about. Well, you know, this is really how the Senate has operated for. Since the founding of our country, do you think this is right? No, it was just like, well, you need to get things done. And uh, are you going to be upset with Republicans that stand in the way of you getting rid of the filibuster? Uh, I mean, the, the, the it was kind of like a Democrat Party lunch and learn yeah. is what it was. <laughs> and then uh, Biden talking about what's going on at the border, which you mentioned part of that. But uh, <laughs> test, test. Okay. The, <laughs> The other part of the, the the situation at the border, he he basically just said nothing has changed at the border from when Donald Trump was there to what's happening right now. This and this this was just what we see right now is exactly the same as it was under Donald Trump a year ago, which is just a bald faced lie. But if that's true, the reporters would be all over it, and you would have seen it in the news for the last year. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that simple. But <laughs> why is it that the Mexican president has come out 
and just come out flat this week and said that the Biden administration's immigration policies have contributed to a surge of migrants that has overwhelmed facilities at the southern border in recent weeks. Why is it, if nothing else has changed, why is it, as Tom Cotton tweeted, why is it that you're seeing migrants wearing T-shirts with Biden's name on them <laughs> saying, please let us in? <laughs> I mean, it's not changed. Uh, they weren't wearing Biden T-shirts under Donald Trump. I can tell you that much. And the Mexican president is a progressive. Oh, yeah. Mexican president. I mean, he was no fan of Donald Trump, you know, before. I mean, he admitted his policy worked. It worked. It helped Mexico. Well, we're not going to spend a whole lot more time on this. We're going to take a time out because uh, when we come back, we're going to get uh, Senator Paul Newton on the phone. He is a co-chair of the uh, Senate Election Committee, and uh, there is a lot dealing with the. I mean, we'll we'll get his response. I don't know if he had a chance to see any of the press conference today, but we'll get his response to HR uh, one. But also, we want to talk to him about the North Carolina Elections Integrity Act, and we also want to talk to him about the uh, Kumbaya Fest they had with the uh, director of the State Board of Elections. Uh, the director Karen Brinson Bell. But we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we'll have the senator. And lots more on news and views. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. Tom Lamprecht and Benny Hardy. The Republicans in the state House and the state Senate have uh, done a lot trying to rein in a rogue state elections board. The... Uh, Senator Paul Newby is co-chair of the Senate Elections Committee, and uh, we're going to have him Newton. on the phone. What did I say? Paul, Paul Newby. <laughs> That's what Keith Kidwell said yeah. earlier today. Keith messed yeah. up. <laughs> Paul, yeah, blame it on the blame, blame it on the elected official. Uh, Paul Newton, thank you very much, uh, Benny, is a co-chair. We're going to be talking to him in just a minute. Uh, interestingly, so, so they've they've uh, proposed this uh, Elections Integrity Act, and of course they also have uh, went after. Um, director bill welcome in can you uh yeah let's yeah we just played the intro there i don't know how that got in um one of those days <laughs> technical difficulties the news and observer however is reporting today that the north carolina democrats plan to file a slew of bills expanding voting access in the coming weeks including legislation that would allow the state board of elections to count absentee ballots up to nine days after election day, which is what the state board did on their own in this last election or proposed on their own. The announcement comes after legislative Republicans filed the Elections Integrity Act last week, which would prevent absentee ballots received after 5 p.m. on election day from being counted and summoned state officials director Karen Brinson Bell before the committee on Tuesday. That was a fun uh, love fest. Uh, in just the last two weeks, we've uh, witnessed two significant developments that roll back our promise of democracy, said one uh, Democrat from Raleigh in a news conference earlier today. He said that the elections bills, uh, the election bill erects barriers against our citizens' freedom to vote. Now, this is interesting because this is, in, in essence, the same thing that Joe Biden said during his press conference today. Oh, yeah. They're vilifying the people that are trying to protect the constitutional way that we have done our elections for 200 years. Okay, so we now have uh, Senator Paul Newton on the line with us. Senator, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tom Lamprecht and Benny Hardy are here. Actually, we have uh, 
uh, the uh, House member uh, Keith Kidwell is in the room with us as well. But uh, we want to talk to you this afternoon about, really about two things. We're going to focus on the Senate Elections Committee um, Kumbaya Fest with the uh, State Board of Elections Director Karen Brinson-Bill. We also want to talk about your Elections Integrity Act. Um, how, how did that situation with the uh, State Board of Elections Director, what was your feel of it? It sounded like it got pretty testy. Well, um, my sense of it was that it was helpful in understanding, uh, for the public to understand why the legislature, the, at least the, the Republican-led legislature, the majority of us, were very, very, very concerned about um, some actions, some conduct undertaken by the um, by Director Brinson Bell after, uh, frankly, uh, the election process had begun, and the consequence of that, which was uh, eroding the public's confidence that their vote counted. They wondered whether their vote counted, and I can explain in detail if you'd like the, the conduct that we were concerned about. So we made that plain, and we. We, we shone some light on what we thought was inappropriate uh, at that point in the election cycle, and it gave her an opportunity to express her sincerity around, you know, what she thought she was trying to accomplish. She broke the law. I mean, pure and simple, she broke the law. Now, if I break well, the law, uh, I, I usually get in trouble. What are the ramifications of someone doing this? I mean, she broke the law. Well, it wasn't. It, it wasn't black and white. It, I mean, it wasn't gray. It was black and white. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Senator Rabin did a great job highlighting just that point uh, during that that hearing. And uh, you know, one of the things that was particularly illuminating is that um, she has uh, either deleted or, or certainly um, shut down her Twitter account. Uh, and you know, we've had a, a, a former director that lost their position because they were too partisan, and it was very clear from their social media. We've asked, we asked her to, to if, if she would provide that social media um, history to us, and she refused to do that, uh, saying she didn't think it was relevant or was confused about the relevance of that. But it's clear we're dealing with a highly partisan um director and we saw manifest in her conduct that that partisanship and it, it did erode confidence in the election uh, here in North Carolina. Uh, Senator Newton, this is Benny Hardy. Thank you for joining us. Um, what, are, what are the uh, just just the highlights of the Senate bill? Uh, I think it's 326, the Election sure. Integrity Act. Sure. So we, uh, number one, we're going to ban third-party donations to the Board of Elections. Uh, this is sometimes colloquially now referred to as the Zuckerberg rule. Uh, <laughs> private funds should not be flowing in to fund um, local boards of elections, even paying the salaries of those who are supposed to be monitoring election integrity, and uh, it just raises suspicions and certainly has the appearance of impropriety. So this is a uniquely governmental function should stay so. So no more third party donations to board of, boards of election. Next, we're going to require absentee ballots to be in by close of the business day on election day. Um, we were we we're among the first states in the nation to start voting. And 
we were among the last to deliver results to the people of North Carolina, and that is inappropriate. Um, and of course, the, the the secret settlement that caused Brinson Bell to come before our oversight committee was in part related to that, in that she took what was in the law, the three days uh, following elections, and made it nine days. And that did, I, in my view, I believe you're correct, that violated the law. And um, we're going to fix that uh, going forward in this bill. Next, we're going to change the deadline for requesting absentee ballots to make it almost impossible for postal delay to cause a ballot to be received late. That'd be 14 days um, time to request the ballot and, and get it back in. And again, that's the deadline. So in any election that has a federal component, you, you have 60 days to request an absentee ballot. Right. And you don't have to have an excuse in North Carolina. Personal responsibility, please. Yeah. And, 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 and the current law is seven days um, for the absentee requests before Election Day. Is that correct? I believe that is correct. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were concerned uh about the postal service and make sure we were fair there so that that's why we're moving this to 14 days and so we got no excuses and there's no reason those can't be in by election day and then finally the final thing we would do is we would appropriate five million dollars for a mobile id unit so that all el eligible voters can get the id they need to participate in future elections um I, you know, i'm just uh, concerned that the argument has been a red herring for some time. That, <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's unjust that there, uh, people can't don't have photo IDs. And I, you know, so much of our daily life requires having an ID. I, I guess it doesn't matter whether I believe that to be tr true or not. This is going to take that issue off the table. We will come to anywhere people are to get their their photo ID taken. In fact, I'm told that. Um, DMV has about $4 million of trucks that they uh, ordered and have not been using, and we're, we may put those to use under this bill. Let's get these IDs so we can live up to the people of North Carolina's request and, and really their vote to change the Constitution to require a photo ID. So there should be no excuses anymore after this bill. We're talking to Senator Paul Newton. He represents uh, Cabarrus and Union counties. Uh, uh, we're talking about the Elections Integrity Act. Senator... Uh, as we've already talked about, it, it appears that the director of the State Board of Elections, Brinson Bell, broke the law. Um, she had her Democrat accomplices. Uh, she had the help of Josh Stein. And, and, and the whole idea that you would have Mark Elias come in, who is a paid operative of the Democratic Party, to work with the director— and Josh Stein, who's supposed to be representing the the laws of North Carolina, not creating new laws. So what they did was they, they broke the law. What is in this Elections Integrity Act that will prevent them from doing that again? I mean, if they did it once, is, is there some sort of heavy penalty that if this if anybody violates this law, that they're, they're going to be in serious, serious trouble? Well, I, I believe the conduct is sufficient for Brinson Bell to resign. I believe that when her Twitter account becomes public, if it ever does, the partisan uh, ship will be so apparent that she will need to resign. Uh, there's, there, there is no criminal penalty that exists today that I know of for the conduct 
that was undertaken. But I have uh, another bill that I believe was filed today uh, that will prohibit, uh, make illegal the collusive secret settlement that occurred, that it was the, uh, again, the, the, the conduct we were asking uh, Director Bell about two days ago. Now, with this new bill that was filed today, would this just be specific to the conduct, or was is it going to be a broader bill that would cover multiple uh, illegalities uh, related to election law? Well, uh, the bill as written was, was focused on the occurrence here, but as you know, I'm sure we're starting to see this become a strategy uh, sure. where politically, ideologically aligned parties are getting together under the guise of a settlement and forcing the state uh, through that avenue to, to take actions that they could not get legislatively. So I would like to see a broad, a, a broad enough law to uh, attack, uh, to, to remedy those issues. And as we sit here right now, I'll, uh, if this bill is not broad enough on the face that we've filed today, it'll no doubt be broadened, I believe. We'll, we'll PCS it to broaden it. Now, is there a, um, a bill over in the House similar to this, or will you all pass it and then send it over to the House? I suspect we'll pass it send over the house. Whether there's a similar bill that's been filed in the house, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not able to track every bill filed sure. in the house before it comes <laughs> over to. That's to what Keith, Keith Kidwell just said that about 15 minutes ago. He can't track every bill in the Senate before it comes over to the house. Um, if if it, and I'm sure it's going to pass the Senate. And I'm sure it would pass the House as well. Do you think any Democrats will come over and uh, give you a veto-proof majority? That's a great question. I mean, they need to make that decision. They need to examine, you know, election integrity in light of regardless of what party is in power. This is important for the state. Bingo. I mean, if I, I, I hope I would be as outraged about our, our Republicans doing what Brinson Bell did as I am about what the Democrats did. And, and you know, it's a strategy that they almost don't care in my view, it doesn't matter whether it's lawful or not, because when it's an election season, the judicial system doesn't have a process that moves quickly enough to resolve it before people have already voted. And I will tell you, I mean, Brinson Bell refused to help the visually impaired and blind with their request to have some accommodations and, and told the judge it was because Voting was going to start in just a couple of weeks, so it's too late to make such changes. And then some three weeks later, into the voting, she does this with Mark Elias. Unbelievable. Uh, it, it's incredible to me. Unbelievable. Senator Newton, I'm sure you were busy today in Raleigh and did not get a chance to uh, hear President Biden's um, press conference, if you want to call it that. But, but he made some comments today that, we're, we're the same. Uh, he's reading off the same sheet of music that North Carolina Democrats are reading off of. We talked about this before you came on with us. But, you know, talking about the actions in the states throughout the United States and compare, comparing them to Jim Crow era. And, you know, not not a not one challenge question on that from a press conference. 
I know you can't do anything in the in general assembly, but I think the Republicans and just people that care about the Constitution in North Carolina needs needs to do an ad campaign to let the people know what's going on, what is happening not only in Washington but in Raleigh of how the Democrats are trying to circumvent the laws that that's in the Constitution of how elections are supposed to be ran. I, I mean, you're, you're behind the eight ball with the press because the press is not honest about it on the federal level or at the state level. Well, listen, Republicans need to stiffen their spines. We need to get over the fact that we're going to be called names. Uh, we're going to be called names. That's, that's part of the playbook. And it, I, in my mind, it sort of used to work. I don't care what they call me. We Thank you. Thank you. For, we are going to stand for fair, free, uh, reliable elections in this state. And uh, the voters deserve that. I mean, uh, we need to have confidence in the outcome regardless of who wins. And when you erode the process to the point that it doesn't matter who wins, nobody has confidence in the process, it's part, part of the degradation of the fabric of our society. Senator, you're singing our song. I, I, I Just this week, I said that very thing, that Republicans have got to set aside the worry about being called racist. It's going to happen. They've played that thing. It's tired. It's old. It doesn't work anymore. And if they're, they're trying to still play it, but uh, we, we just need, we know who we are. We, as you say, grow a spine, be confident in who you are, and carry on with the program. If you know your soul, don't care what people say about you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Senator, I uh, appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Uh, if it's uh, all right with you, we'd love to have you back on as this uh, bill <laughs> progresses through the Senate and then gets over to the House. But thank you for your work that you do, yeah. and uh, thank you for informing the uh, listeners of Eastern North Carolina. You are more than welcome. Delighted to be with you. Thank you for what you're doing. You're doing a service to, uh, to Eastern North Carolina and uh, hopefully broadly across the, the state. And uh, thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks thank you, Senator. Senator Paul Newton, and uh, he's the co-chair of the Senate Elections Committee. Let's lighten things up and play a little political trivia, shall we? 561-8255. A uh, little Easter question for you. Category Resurrection Sunday. 561-8255. And uh, it has something to do with politics as well. So uh, give us a call. We've got a great prize package. 561-8255. We'll play when we get back. All right, welcome back in. Yeah, 19 minutes before the top of the hour. Time for a little political trivia, 561-8255. I think we've got one line open anyway, 561-8255. Your category is Resurrection Sunday. Your prize package includes a free oil change for your car pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, a gift certificate from Fit for Life, including training sessions with a coach, a $20 gift card to the Pirates Cove Car Wash, a $60 diagnostic card from University PC Care, a gift card for a free round of golf at Ironwood, a $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno, a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies and Bakery in Aden, and a $100 gift card from the good folks at Kidwell H&R Block offices. Uh, remember, if you or anyone in your family has won in the last 60 days, well, wait 60 days until you play again. First up, it's William. Hey, William. Hey, Tom. How you doing, buddy? Doing Hello, well. You? you ready to play? Yes, sir. All All right. Your category, Resurrection Sunday. In 1928, Parliament of Great Britain passed and enacted an act concerning Resurrection Sunday, 
which has never been obeyed, although this act is still on the books. What did this act mandate? Mm. Resurrection Sunday, that, uh, that we recognize we go, to, we go to sunrise service. That is not it. That's a great guess. I like it. That's not it. Thanks, William. 561-8255. That opens up a line. Let's go to Betty. Hey, Betty. Hey, Betty. Hi. Did you hear the question? Uh, repeat it again, please. In 1928, Parliament of Great Britain passed and enacted a law concerning Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday, which has never been obeyed, although this act is still on the books. What did this act mandate? That is not it. That was very similar to uh, William's answer, but that was not it. Good guess, though. Thanks, Betty. Thanks, Betty. Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Uh, how you doing? Doing well. Can you bring up the volume of the callers a little bit? Uh, yeah, thank you, sir. Um, Mitch, did you hear the question? Uh, if you'd repeat it, that'd be great. In 1928, Parliament of Great Britain passed and enacted an act concerning Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, which has never been obeyed, although this act is still on the books. What did the act mandate? Um, would it have to do with like on which Easter would fall or when it would be celebrated? This isn't 20 questions, but I will say you're warm. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you fine tune it. I'll let you fine tune it if you'd like. Um, did it set a specific day? I got to give it to you, Mitch. The oh. Easter Sunday Act of 1928 would establish Easter Sunday as the Sunday following the second Saturday in April, resulting in Easter Sunday always being celebrated between April 9th and April 15th. So, uh, great guess there, Good Mitch. Good job. <laughs> Where are you calling from? I'm in Greenville. All right. Well, Mitch, hang on the line. Clark's going to get your information. Uh, yeah, I didn't have to give a hint out. You got it. Good guess. And uh, thanks for everybody for calling in. Uh, Mitch, you uh, disappointed several people that are on hold. But, uh, hey, that's the way it goes. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. All right, all right, all right. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Congratulations to Mitch Landon. He got it right. Uh, in 1928, Parliament passed a law specifying when Easter would fall, and uh, it was never been obeyed. So, uh, but uh, apparently, it's still in the books. The uh, taking a look at your weather forecast uh, tonight: cloudy with a low around 65. That's your low, 65. How about that? Mm, Open more. up the windows. A uh, slight chance of showers on Friday after 3 o'clock. A high is 86. Wow. I, I refuse to complain about it getting hot this summer. Yeah. <laughs> Benny, I, not so much. I kind of like it about 80 and no humidity. Oh, that, hey, I, lo I love that. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, I am so sick of the cold and the rain. Uh, Friday night, partly cloudy, low around 56. Saturday, a chance of showers after 3 o'clock, high near 77. You'll like that, although there's going to be some rain in the air. Uh, Sunday, a chance of showers, a 60% chance of showers, high near 79. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club, voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, 
full-service dining and outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees. Call 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville. 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. So we had... Paul Newton on earlier, the senator from Cabarrus County. Now we have the House member from Beaufort County and Craven County, Keith Kidwell. It's Thursday, so Keith's in. Uh, welcome back, Keith. Uh, real quickly, you were in the room when we were talking. I don't know how much of uh, Senator Newton's answers you had the chance to hear, but uh, real quickly, is there a House version of this uh, Election Integrity Act that the Senate is dealing with? So the Election uh, Committee in the House is still assembling what they're going to run as far as legislation this year. They're looking at all aspects of it, what we need to do to improve security, what we need to do to keep uh, the situations where the Board of Elections thinks it gets to run the elections. Uh, because that, you know, it's, the Constitution tells us that the state legislature sets up and decides how elections will be run not the Board of Elections, so they can't usurp that authority. Now, you were saying you've got a couple election bills you're working on. What are those? Yeah, so one that I've got uh, takes our election machines in North Carolina, says they must be manufactured in the United States, United States software, by a United States company, and never connected to the Internet. So the the second one, uh, which will be coming out probably next week, Tom, I'm uh, getting the final tweaks on that, is going to take a situation where if we have somebody that oversleeps like we had uh, in, in a couple of uh, uh, precincts this past year where they forgot to go to work and open the polls. <laughs> the one day, that, yeah. the yeah. most yeah. important yeah. day one of their job. job. There you go. One job. So <laughs> they didn't show up, or if you leave a box of ballots in the trunk of your car and forget them there for several hours, that uh, you're not qualified to work in the election process and you would be banned permanently from working in the election process. And my bill says it doesn't matter if they are uh, volunteer or paid if they can't do their job, you can't work in the election process because, you know, like you say, one day one day a year or one day every two or four years, we can't have you messing that up. We yeah. need people of good quality. Big time. PPP is back in the news. Uh, Benny, you sent me an article earlier today talking about the fact that they're going to extend the on the federal level the ability to apply for a PPP loan or a grant, I guess, uh, in some cases to what may 31st may 31st that was set to expire i believe next week I believe yeah it was next wednesday to, yeah, i think uh, that and right. um so the senate passed the bill 92 to 7 to extend that to may 31st um i you know i would anticipate the house signing it and the president signing it so but what, what's going on with ppp in the state level so at the state level tom we're reviewing uh the the taxability of the expenses or truly i should say the deductibility of the expenses Right now, the IRS says we're not going to tax uh, federally the PPP loan forgiveness itself, and they're still allowing the deduction of the expense, even though the, the taxpayer themselves didn't actually pay it. It was paid with that free money on the PPP loan. The state did initially uh, bond with that, or coupled to it, I should say, uh, and did not tax the loan forgiveness, but they are still not allowing the expense. Uh, I've had meetings with leadership over the last several days, I think I've got their interest up enough that they understand that it's something we need to do or we're going to work out the nuts and bolts on it, I think, next week. And uh, hopefully we'll be passing some legislation on that soon. I do have one request. I want you to call this the Benny Hardy bill. Because <laughs> <laughs> Benny has been pushing this. 
I mean, he, he well, we talked about this with you probably two months ago. We've talked about yeah. it several times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. a big issue. It's been yeah. a hot topic in Raleigh, I think. Yeah. Um, you've also are, are working on a certificate of need piece of legislation. Explain in 30 seconds what the certificate of need is all about. So a certificate of need is where the state decides where we need MRI machines or equipment, nursing homes, uh, kidney treatment facilities, psychiatric facilities. And, and my belief is we're a free capitalist society. The state should not dictate, mandate, or tell us we can or cannot open a particular business in a particular area. Where this comes into an impact, let's take an eye doctor. He can do LASIKs in his facility, usually for eight to $1,200. But because there is a certificate of need law, they have to take it to a, a operating room at the hospital where you're going to be charged $8,000 just for the OR as a minimum. Wow. So we need to stop that. Wow. You know, and in my 30 plus years of being in business, um, I have seen the same people argue against their certificate of need that when they received their certificate of need, they argued for a certificate of need. <laughs> so, Benny, the interesting part of this is the federal government had con laws. They canceled all of them back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, most states are starting to drop them, reduce them. Here's another point. North Carolina is the second highest number of con laws in the United States. Only Hawaii beats us. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about uh, if I want to be compared to Hawaii, except for maybe our coastline or something, but their politics. <laughs> the, maybe our fishing. Yeah. Now, what kind of response have you gotten this from fellow Republicans? I won't even get into the Democrat side, but from Republicans, is it pretty unanimous that they're yeah, behind it's, it? It's kind of split, believe it or not. A lot of them uh, are, are falling under pressure from their hospitals because the hospitals are telling us, well, I'll go broke if we don't have certificate of need. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't believe that to be the truth. I think we need to start looking at, and, and my bill right now is a full con repeal, uh, which means it gets rid of all the con laws. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I do want to start reducing them and see if we can eliminate them, maybe phase them out over the next five years or so. Have Has a similar bill been introduced in recent years? So I've introduced some of these in the past. We had one that ran last year. It didn't move very far. The good news this year, Tom, is the Senate has interest in it as well. Okay, there you go. Keith Kidwell, thank you, Keith. I appreciate your uh, updating us on Thursdays. Thank and, you, Tom. Uh, if you're listening to 103.7, stay tuned for Keith and his brother Proctor as they uh, do a little tax talk on 103.7. Um, our thanks to uh, Senator Paul Newton and uh, his work on the Election Integrity Act and the senators that uh, – circle the wagons around i guess do they circle the wagons or they actually attack as <laughs> they went after the director of the state board of elections as they should have congratulations to uh mitch, mitch. what was mitch's last name i don't know mitch, you know who you are congratulations you're a genius we got it wrong we'll do it again tomorrow at five we'll see you bye-bye all right all right all right We now have uh, Senator Paul Newton on the line with us. Senator, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tom Lamprecht and Benny Hardy are here. Actually, we have uh, uh, the uh, House member uh, Keith Kidwell's in the room with us as well. But uh, we want to talk to you this afternoon about, really about two things. We're going to focus on the Senate Elections Committee um, Kumbaya Fest with the uh, State Board of Elections Director Karen Brinson-Bill we also want to talk about your Elections Integrity Act. Um, how, how did that situation with the uh, State Board of Elections director, what was your feel of it? It sounded like it got pretty testy. Well, 
um, my sense of it was that it was helpful in understanding uh, for the public to understand why the legislature, the, at least the the Republican led legislature, the majority of us were very, very, very concerned about um, some actions, some conduct undertaken by the um, by Director Brinson Bell after, uh, frankly, uh, the election process had begun, and the consequence of that, which was. Uh, eroding the public's confidence that their vote counted. They wondered whether their vote counted. And I can explain in detail, if you'd like, the, the conduct that we were concerned about. So we made that plain and we, we, we shone some light on what we thought was inappropriate uh, at that point in the election cycle. And it gave her an opportunity to express her sincerity around you know, what she thought she was trying to accomplish. She broke the law. I mean, pure and simple, she broke the law. Now, if I break well, the law, uh, I, I usually get in trouble. What are the ramifications of someone doing this? I mean, she broke the law. It wasn't. It, it wasn't black and white. It, I mean, it wasn't gray. It was black and white. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Senator Rabin did a great job highlighting just that point uh, during that that hearing, and uh, you know, one of the things that was particularly illuminating is that um, she has uh, either deleted or, or certainly um, shut down her Twitter account. Uh, and you know, we've had a, a, a former director that lost their position because they were too partisan and it was very clear from their social media. We've asked, we asked her to, to if, if she would provide that social media um, history to us, and she refused to do that, uh, saying she didn't think it was relevant or was confused about the relevance of that. But it's clear we're dealing with a highly partisan um, director, and we saw manifest in her conduct that that partisanship, and it, it did erode confidence in the election uh, here in North Carolina. Uh, Senator Newton, this is Benny Hardy. Thank you for joining us. Um, what, are, what are the uh, just just the highlights of the Senate bill, uh, I think it's 326, the Election Integrity Act. Sure. So, we uh, number one, we're going to ban third-party donations to the Board of Elections. Uh, this is sometimes colloquially now referred to as the Zuckerberg rule. <laughs> uh, private funds should not be flowing in to fund um, local boards of elections, even paying the salaries of those who are supposed to be monitoring election integrity and uh, it just raises suspicions and certainly has the appearance of impropriety. So this is a uniquely governmental function should stay so. So no more third party donations to board, boards of election. Next, we're going to require absentee ballots to be in by close of the business day on election day. Um, we were, we're among the first states in the nation to start voting and we were among the last to deliver results to the people of North Carolina, and that is inappropriate. Um, and of course, the, the, the secret settlement that caused Brinson Bell to come before our oversight committee was in part related to that, in that she took what was in the law, the three days uh, following elections, and made it nine days. And that did, I, in my view, I believe you're correct, that violated the law. And um, we're going to fix that uh, going forward in this bill. 
Next, we're going to change the deadline for requesting absentee ballots to make it almost impossible for postal delay to cause a ballot to be received late. That'd be 14 days um, time to request the ballot and, and get it back in. And again, that's the deadline. So in any election that has a federal component, you you have 60 days to request an absentee ballot. Right. And then you don't have to have an excuse in North Carolina. Personal responsibility, please. Yeah. And, and, and the current law is seven days um, for the absentee request before Election Day. Is that correct? I believe that is correct. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were concerned uh, about the Postal Service and make sure we were fair there. So that that's why we're moving this to 14 days. And so we got no excuses and there's no reason those can't be in by Election Day. And then finally, the final thing we would do is we would appropriate $5 million for a mobile ID unit so that all eligible voters can get the ID they need to participate in future elections. Um, I, you know, I'm just uh, concerned that the argument has been a red herring for some time. That, <laughs> Thank hey, you. You know, it's unjust that there, uh, people can't don't have photo IDs. And I, you know, so much of our daily life requires having an ID. I, I guess it doesn't matter whether I believe that to be tr true or not. This is going to take that issue off the table. We will come to anywhere people are to get their their photo ID taken. In fact, I'm told that. Um, DMV has about $4 million of trucks that they uh, ordered and have not been using, and we're, we may put those to use under this bill. Let's get these IDs so we can live up to the people of North Carolina's request and, and really their vote to change the Constitution to require a photo ID. So there should be no excuses anymore after this bill. We're talking to Senator Paul Newton. He represents uh, Cabarrus and Union counties. Uh, uh, we're talking about the Elections Integrity Act. Senator... Uh, as we've already talked about, it, it appears that the director of the State Board of Elections, Brinson Bell, broke the law. Um, she had her Democrat accomplices. Uh, she had the help of Josh Stein. And, and, and the whole idea that you would have Mark Elias come in, who's a paid operative of the Democratic Party, to work with the director— and Josh Stein, who's supposed to be representing the le the laws of North Carolina, not creating new laws. So what they did was they, they broke the law. What is in this Elections Integrity Act that will prevent them from doing that again? I mean, if they did it once, is, is there some sort of heavy penalty that if this if anybody violates this law, that they're, they're going to be in serious, serious trouble? Well, I, I believe the conduct is sufficient for Brinson Bell to resign. I believe that when her Twitter account becomes public, if it ever does, the partisan uh, ship will be so apparent that she will need to resign. Uh, there's, there, there is no criminal penalty that exists today that I know of for the conduct that was undertaken, but I have uh, another bill that I believe was filed today uh, that will prohibit, uh, make illegal the collusive secret settlement that occurred, that it was the, uh, again, the, the, the conduct we were asking uh, Director Bell about two days ago. Now, with this new bill that was filed today, would this just be specific to the conduct, or was is it going to be a, a broader bill that would 
cover multiple uh, illegalities uh, related to election law? Well, uh, the bill as written was was focused on the occurrence here. But as you know, I'm sure we're starting to see this become a strategy uh, where politically, ideologically aligned parties are getting together under the guise of a settlement and forcing the state uh, through that avenue to, to take actions that they could not get legislatively. So I would like to see a broad a broad enough law to uh, attack uh, to to remedy those issues. And as we sit here right now, I'll uh, if this bill is not broad enough on the face that we've filed today, it'll no doubt be broadened. I believe we'll will PCS it to broaden it. Now, is there a um, a bill over in the House similar to this, or will you all pass it and then send it over to the House? I suspect we'll pass it send over the House. Whether there's a similar bill that's been filed in the House, I don't know. I don't. I don't I'm not able to track every bill filed sure. in the House before <laughs> that's coming a, over to, that's to what our Keith, Keith Kidwell just said that about 15 minutes ago. He can't track every bill in the Senate before it comes over to the House. Um, if if it, and I'm sure it's going to pass the Senate. And I'm sure it would pass the House as well. Do you think any Democrats will come over and uh, give you a veto-proof majority? That's a great question. I mean, they need to make that decision. They need to examine, you know, election integrity in light of regardless of what party is in power. This is important for the state. Bingo. I mean, if I, I, I hope I would be as outraged about our, our Republicans doing what Brinson Bell did as I am about what the Democrats did. And, and you know, it's a strategy that they almost don't care in my view, it doesn't matter whether it's lawful or not, because when it's an election season, the judicial system doesn't have a process that moves quickly enough to resolve it before people have already voted. And I will tell you, I mean, Brinson Bell refused to help the visually impaired and blind with their request to have some accommodations and and told the judge it was because Voting was going to start in just a couple of weeks, so it's too late to make such changes. And then some three weeks later, into the voting, she does this with Mark Elias. Unbelievable. Uh, It's incredible to me. Unbelievable. Senator Newton, I'm sure you were busy today in Raleigh and did not get a chance to uh, hear President Biden um, press conference, if you want to call it that. But, But he made some comments today that, we're, we're the same. Uh, he's reading off the same sheet of music that North Carolina Democrats are reading off of. We talked about this before you came on with us. But, you know, talking about the actions in the states throughout the United States and compare, comparing them to Jim Crow era. And, you know, not not a not one challenge question on that from a press conference. I know you can't do anything in the in General Assembly, but I think the Republicans and just people that care about the Constitution in North Carolina needs needs to do an ad campaign to let the people know what's going on, what is happening not only in Washington but in Raleigh, of how the Democrats are trying to circumvent the laws that, that's in the Constitution of how elections are supposed to be ran. I, I mean, you're, you're behind the eight ball with the press because the press is not honest about it on the federal level or at the state level. Well, listen, Republicans need to stiffen their spines 
we need to get over the fact that we're going to be called names. Uh, we're going to be called names. That's that's part of the playbook. And it, I, in my mind, it sort of used to work. I don't care what they call me. We Thank you. Thank you. For, we are going to stand for fair, free, uh, reliable elections in this state. And uh, the voters deserve that. I mean, uh, we need to have confidence in the outcome regardless of who wins. And when you erode the process to the point that it doesn't matter who wins, nobody has confidence in the process, it's part, part of the degradation of the fabric of our society. Senator, you're singing our song. I, I, I Just this week, I said that very thing, that Republicans have got to set aside the worry about being called racist. It's going to happen. They've played that thing. It's tired. It's old. It doesn't work anymore. And if they're, they're trying to still play it but uh we, we just need we know who we are we as you say grow a spine be confident in who you are and carry on with the program if you know your soul don't care what people say about um, you. exactly exactly yeah. senator uh i appreciate you joining us this afternoon uh if it's uh, all right with you we'd love to have you back on as this uh, bill progresses <laughs> through the senate and then gets over to the house but thank you for your work that you do yeah. and uh thank you for informing the uh, listeners of eastern north carolina you are more than welcome delighted to be with you thank you for what you're doing you're doing a service to, uh, to eastern north carolina and uh, hopefully broadly across the, the state and uh thanks for having me on you bet thanks thank you senator Senator Paul Newton, and uh, he's the co-chair of the Senate Elections Committee.